We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We will win this game. Yes, if you hit somebody in the mouth, we're going to get physical. We're going to get ugly right now. Olin Krutz. If the guy didn't want to fight me at some point during the game, I am not playing hard enough. 14-year NFL veteran. Olin Krutz was a warrior. He embodies what a football player is. Six-time Pro Bowler and four-time NFL All-Pro. I know if Olin's speaking, it's going to be the truth. It's going to be what he sees, and it's probably going to be right. Football analyst for 670 The Score. If I am Ryan Pose. Molly and, and Pat, I'm pissed off, man. I really am pissed off in one of those sweet boxes that I'm sitting in because with that play right there, with the, when you get the ball back at that time, and, and, then, you, and then I see a toss crack. No, uh, 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 fake the toss crack and boot Justin Fields out of the pocket. I mean, damn it, if they can do it with Joe Flacco, right? If they can fake <laughs> oh. the toss with Joe Flacco and boot him, why can't we at that moment, right? I want to see my quarterback, Justin Fields, out of the pocket, on the run, making plays. That's what I want to see. Instead, we got a toss crack to Khalil Herbert, and we lose five yards, and now we're behind the sticks. And we all know what this offense does when they're behind the sticks. And the answer is nothing. They don't do yeah. nothing. Olin Krutz with Parkinson Spiegel on 670 The Score. Gotta love it. Especially having him on the station. Pre-game, post-game, all throughout the week. Now he's here on the Parkinson Spiegel Show. This segment with Olin Krutz is brought to you by Four Seasons, heating, air conditioning, plumbing, and electric. For all the right reasons, call 866-4-SEASONS. And the, the way, oh, Anthony Heron and Marshall Harris here on the Parkinson Spiegel Show. Oh, the, the holiday mm-hmm. season, because we've been in a very festive mood, Marshall and I, so far. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering now, with the, the results of the Cleveland game last week, does this ramp up your, your willingness to just kind of focus on, on the holidays and everything else? Are you still kind of champing at the bit a little bit for some Bears football? Always, always want some football, Big Ann. I'm like you, man. I, I can't get enough, right? And uh, even the development of the young guys for the Chicago Bears, and obviously it's the Cardinals coming to town, and they don't have, uh, you know, a roster that, that scares you when they show up. But they do have a right tackle, young uh, sixth pick of the draft. This year, Paris Johnson Jr. out of Ohio State that I'm interested in watching go against Montez Sweat. They got, you know, Will Hernandez in there at right guard. Offensive line played decently. Now, their defense, uh, you know, they remind me of the Chicago Bears when they were going through their rebuild last year when you watched them on film. But with the Chicago Bears showing up Sunday, I'll be watching. I'll be watching all the football. I'll be watching all the bowl games like you, Big Ant. I'll be excited this week. Hold on. What, what, I, what I'm curious about, because you, you talked about, you know, you get towards the end of the season, you're either still in it or you're not. I'm curious what your attitude was as a player and now as somebody who's following the team from the outside, if that changes much, whether the team's been, once the team's been eliminated. Yeah, it's a really good question because people wonder about that, right? When you see teams get eliminated. I tell you what's not eliminated, Marshall. Your job. Your job is on the line every day in the NFL. And if you look through the Bears roster, they don't have guys that say, I'm going to take this game off. And, and like most of the times, when you have guys who can take the game off because they're going to be here next year anyway, they're the kind of guys who don't. They don't take the game off. That's why they're in the position they're in, where they can take the game off, because they never do. 
right? And if you're asking me when I play, man, if I strap the helmet up, when I put my pads on, I want to go out there and get after somebody, no matter where we were in the season or as a football team, because I knew, as most guys know, Big Ant will tell you, your film is your resume. And you better worry about what it looks like every week. And don't think people don't notice if you're about to shut it down. With where Arizona is right now for Kyler Murray coming back from injury about a month ago. And you would imagine he feels like maybe there's a little something for him to prove to his organization. Of course, we've all been talking throughout the season here about Justin Fields and what what he may feel like he's still got to prove to the Bears and trying to see if he can solidify himself as a part of this team's future. But the, the clip that, that Tyler and Alex played, even just in your intro coming in here, where you know, I know you, you, when, it's, when it's required, we all try to walk that balance, be critical of Justin Fields, but then be critical of Luke Getze as well when it feels like those things aren't cohesive. I, I don't, the blame pie can be a complex thing for this because it, 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 it feels like it can show up where neither guy at times is executing their job in the way that they should. How do you see that aspect of the Bears' offensive coordinator and play caller and the Bears quarterback and where they're each at in their development. Yeah, it, they were they were supposed to develop together, and, and we've kind of hit us. We were stalling here a little bit, unless we're going against the Lions, right? <laughs> it just seems like they've never been quite able to figure each other out. And, and you know, with Justin Fields, it's kind of like Big Ann. I was saying, and Marshall, I was saying, look, look, with Justin Fields, I know what I'm going to get right when he plays teams like the Lions. If we get 100 yards rushing, he's going to look good. And, and just can he win the game at the end of the game? Can he make the play? And when he plays a pressure defense like the Cleveland Browns and Jim Schwartz bring, right, where you talk about Bowles, right, or you talk about Flores, talk about guys with good secondaries. They can go one-on-one with D.J. Moore, right? They, they, uh, Byron Murphy for the Vikings. When he's one-on-one with D.J. Moore, he does a nice job. Where else is Justin Fields going to go with the ball? And I hear Bowen a lot on the uh, Bernstein Home Show talking about, I'm talking about Matt Bowen, who does a great job analyzing the Chicago Bears, actually analyzing the whole NFL. But – he talks about they got to get Mooney going a little bit for this offense. But to your question, Big Ant, I, you know, who do we blame? Who, who, who is further along in development? I think both guys would say that they haven't got what they wanted out of this year. They haven't got this offense to the point that both guys wanted. They're both not real comfortable with each other, play calling-wise, making play-wise. Justin Fields said that earlier in the year. You had to ask him what's bogging him down. He flat out said coaching, right? He said coaching, I, I just feel like we should do less. It should be a little more simple. So uh, who do you blame? Uh, the hard thing is at this point in their careers was the Cleveland Browns game was not executing that drive or making a play at some point to end the game after the way the defense played. Was that the breaking point? I think that's the question everybody's asking. Sounds like we're going to find out this week because if there was ever a golden opportunity for the offense to rev up and fire back, it's against this Cardinals team, which has, I believe, the second worst scoring defense in the entire league. They haven't been shy about giving up points. That's never been an, an issue. So uh, how much are you looking at this game? Or, and how much should the Bears be looking at this game? Because here, here's my thing. After the Cleveland game, you're like, okay, they can win these other three games, and it's not going to mean as much because playoffs are probably not happening. I mean, they got like a 3% chance to make the playoffs even if they went out. So I, I'm asking you, what – are, we every week we do this, Olin. We look at the game and we say, "Well, Justin Fields looked okay, or Justin Fields didn't, or Luke Getzey's play calling was good, or it was trash." I, at what point, and I guess the end of the season, we'll know in three weeks. Do you think Ryan Poles or Kevin Warren or whoever's making these decisions has already made some type of decision on if it's not Luke Getzey specifically, this entire coaching staff? I think we can all agree that they're leaning one way or the other by right now, right? 
they're leaning one way or the other. And, and when you watch this game, I at least got to see my guys do. Everyone knows what the Cardinals defense is coming in. Second worst in the league. They give a lot of yards. They give a lot of passing yards. I think they're decimated in the secondary coming in. You'd like to see Mooney get going. I don't know if Cole Komet is going to be out there on the field. I would imagine they're going to have a hard time slowing down DJ Moore and Justin Fields. Defenses like this struggle. If the Bears can get any semblance of a run game going, get their offense line rolling downhill, the Cardinals will be on their heels all day. But to your question, what that, that what does that do for the future of Justin Fields and Luke Getze? I don't know. I can't answer that question. I, I can't imagine much. Right? I can't imagine much if they come out here put on a show. I thought you go against the number one defense in the Cleveland Browns, even though they had injuries. I thought that was a golden opportunity for them there. The only other thing I think you could do maybe this year is go up there in Green Bay and put a lot of points on them and look really good and really effective against Joe Barry's unit up there in the last week of the season. But as far as the Cardinals goes, as far as this game, uh, you, know, you, you have to all every week we talked about earlier in this segment. We got we to put who we are on film. We got to put our resume on film every week. Justin Fields, if they don't want you, I'm sure damn somebody else does. He's got elite legs, got an elite arm. Can someone, does someone out there, uh, uh, you know, there's another coach. We all know coaches have the biggest egos. Do they think they can get him going, put him in the right situation to make plays? You certainly had a, a teammate who had a lot of those physical traits that were always really, coaches were encouraged by what Jay Cutler could bring to the table. And then you kind of cycle through some coordinators and some head coaches throughout your career. And, you know, maybe there's a ceiling uh, that, that will end up getting reached there. Uh, this segment with Olin Cruz is brought to you by the Illinois Department of Transportation. Road safety is not a game. Learn more at it's not a game, Illinois.com. Uh, Olin, uh, a few weeks back, uh, maybe over a month ago at this point, when Nate Davis was prepared to return to the lineup, you, know, you felt really strongly back then about keeping Tevin Jenkins and Darnell Wright together on the right side of the formation. And when that decision was being prepared to be made, I felt like, man, it, it makes so much sense to put Nate Davis back at the spot he's excelled at in his NFL career. We've seen Tevin Jenkins play well on the left side. But then, frankly, since then, the run game just isn't the same run game that it was when, when Jenkins and Wright were next to each other. So what, what were your concerns about moving Jenkins at that time? And, and do you see that as a part of the reason why the run game hasn't been the same? I do. I, I think my concern was it's been a long time around here, uh, Big Ant, and, and for the Chicago Bears that we've had an elite side of the line. By that, I mean an elite run-blocking group together. And I thought Tevin Jenkins, Darnell Wright, and Mercedes Lewis together were an elite side of an offensive line that you would run downhill behind in critical moments. And we've seen since then, like you're talking about, on short yardage situations, them struggle a little bit, right? Because where do you go? You got to have sometimes, like you guys know, you got to have times, man, when the whole stadium – the guy up in section 400 knows where you're running the ball and people still can't stop you, right? Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles quarterback sneak. A play like that. A play where, like, look, guys, we're running uh, this gap play downhill behind Tevin Jenkins, Darnell Wright, and Mercedes Lewis, and there's nothing you can do about it. And that's what I was worried about. Uh, I agreed with you when, about Tevin. You can put him somewhere he can play well, right? And, and he can do a good job, and he always does that. All the questions about him has just been his health. Mm -hmm. and, and Nate Davis, uh, a very good football player when he's playing well. Uh, you know, he's, had, he's been in and out of the lineup this year. It's been kind of an up-and-down season for him. I think some of that consistency is just not playing a whole lot of football. But that was my worry, uh, Big Ad, when they moved Tevin Jenkins out of that right guard spot. I really liked that right side of the offense. I really liked that double team 
I really like the way they were all working well together over there. And like you know, Chicago Bears offense over the years, right? I was there 13 years. We've been watching. I've been watching them ever since as an analyst. Not a lot of elite players and or an elite side of an offensive line or elite wide receiver unit, elite tight end unit, elite. We find something elite. If it looks elite on film, in my opinion, leave it alone. Mm. Yeah, that's that, that's a good point. Uh, one thing they will be leaving alone, I think, at this point is Montez Sweat. Right? Like he just let him do what he does. Right. <laughs> they, they traded for him, they gave him all the money, and now he's like, yeah. that was a good investment. I want to mm-hmm. know, just Olin, through your nuanced view, um, who else is really standing out to you since the Montez Sweat trade as far as who else has been affected, you think, in the most positive manner, whether it's in the back of the defense or up front alongside him? Because it, th- this defense has been different. They have been difference makers in the fact that they've had so many turnovers created in the last four or five weeks. But there, there was a guy now, he was standing out before Montez showed up. And I wonder if Big Ant would agree with me. But Andrew Billy. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say This guy name. plays football, man. <laughs> I mean, he's been getting after guys. And I tell you, I tell people this. Montez Sweat looks like that because the Bears almost had everything else. They just needed a pass rusher, right? Billings has been dominating that middle of the offensive line. T.J. Edwards now doing really good things. Love watching him play. Savvy, tough, hits people, comes downhill. Uh, uh, you know, I think, again, I mentioned Matt Bowen on his Instagram page, put him blitzing and running over Kareem Hunt. I mean, you love those kind of football plays. But let me keep the, let me keep the spotlight on the big man in the middle, <laughs> uh, Andrew Billings, man. He is uh, – I'm a center, a uh, big ad. You know that. He's a handful, man. I watched him get that heavy tilt. He does that return stunt. I know I'm getting into like uh, things now where I talk about certain schematic things. Of the, the listeners think, what the hell is Olin talking about? But I uh, love watching Andrew Billings play. I remember from the first, I think it was the first play of the year. I got to go back and look. But I think he threw the Green Bay Packers center on his back. And I was, I was excited from then. Uh, I've been, been talking about him ever since, how he's anchoring the middle of that line. So I actually think uh, Montez Sweat is benefiting also from the way Andrew Billings uh, Justin Jones is getting going, going a little bit. I'll let Big Ant break down Javon Dexter's technique against the run. Uh, just, just really, that defensive unit's been fun to watch. I mean, gosh, guys, 14 takeaways in four games. Give me a break, right? Uh, out of their 23, now there's six in the league in takeaways. Uh, 14, and they're two and two. That's almost impossible. Uh, you make 14 me- takeaways and be two and two. Oh, you're making me sad because you, when you say it <laughs> like know, that man. and the, the wins and losses don't match up to what that should be, I just I, I look at Lucas like I don't hate anyone, Olin. I, uh, I you know, I, I want everyone to do well at their job. You know, I don't want to see anyone lose their job, but no. man, Luke Getsy gotta go. <laughs> Luke Getsy gotta go. No, I mean it, it, to your to your point with Justin Fields and, and this offense and and the thing, it just has not looked the way you want it to look at this point in the season, right? And just uh going into that game even though I didn't like that it was tied after the way the defense played, right? You didn't like that part about it because the defense was lights out for so long. Uh, of course, they had their their breakdowns again at the end of the game, which which they have to go over and look at. Uh, you know, the Lions game, the Lions game last year when it was 31-30, the Denver game this year, the Lions, you know, obviously the defense did enough to win that game. But as far as when you get to a point, we all wanted what, guys, last week? We all wanted to see Justin Fields in a critical situation with the ball in his hands. Mm. That's what we wanted to see. That's what I wanted to see. If I'm Ryan Pose, that's what I wanted. You guys played that clip of me. You can tell I'm still frustrated about that, watching that those play calls on that drive. And if you ask me, if anything, at the end of the year, if they bring 
Coach Getzey in the office. And like you said, you don't want to talk about another man losing their job. And we all know the kind of work they put in at Hallis Hall. But if anything seals the deal, it'd be those three plays. Now, the – and, it, you know, I've been as, as critical of Luke Getzey as anyone. What I, what I did – there was a moment in the game, the fourth and one, where he did get Justin Fields on the move. Yes, Darnell Mooney, and there's an option to maybe keep the eyes down the field where you got D.J. Moore – out in space, and that to me is at least a, a run-pass option sort of moment where he got Justin Fields on the move on a fourth and one. It was an exceptional play by Cameron Mitchell, the mm-hmm. defender, Bolenberg High School, one of their finest. Rated Pride is my, my high school I went to here in Chicago area. But he made a great play <laughs> getting inside of Darnell Mooney and just narrowly stopping Justin Fields on fourth and one. That to me was at least an example. There have been so many examples where like, all right, why in this scenario didn't you get this athletic guy on the move? He did there. Justin Fields didn't make that play. And so that, to me, that's more, you know, and it can be split up so many ways. That one is more on Justin than on Luke. Is it more on Justin or is it more on Darnell Mooney, though? Because from where I was looking, I was like, if you just get a little bit more of him, he's not getting shoestringed coming around that corner. There's no doubt about that. But also, I don't want to sit here and say that every time something isn't perfect, that that Mm -hmm. Justin is blameless in it either. Like, I I would have liked for Darnell Mooney to get a better piece of him, sure. But that's a play I expect Justin has the ability to, to make, make that, play. that play or to even have his That's eyes fair. down the field, maybe feed it to DJ. And neither thing happened on that fourth and one at a critical moment in the game. So, you know, just in, in fairness and balance, I want to make yep. sure I've been yep. critical of Getsy, but I want to point out I didn't mind that play call. I no, I love the call. I love that it. call. I was like, hey, finally. That's right. me watching a, a lay person, if you will, Olin. <laughs> I was like, finally, <laughs> something that looks like it makes sense. Olin, well, let, let, me, let, me, yeah. let me jump in on that because – Okay, so so I'm with you, Big Ant, and I'm with you, Mar. I love the play call. I love it, man. And then here's my problem with it. And you guys, everyone talks about Mooney, and it's great. I don't – Justin's got to make that play. And then here's another part about it. I've, I've seen a lot of offense coach. I've been a lot part of a lot of offenses. I've never seen that offensive coach coach the quarterback to boot at four to five yards. Mm-hmm. Right, you get away from the other side end where you're booting from, mm-hmm. and you get six to eight yards. Mm-hmm. He looks shallow to me, big Andy. He looks yeah. like he came out quick. Justin did, and if Justin Fields takes a normal boot on that play, I think he's around the edge easy. Right, and we heard Getsy say he alluded to. He said this week it was execution on that play. Right, that's what he said. It was execution on that play, and I think that's what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Right, and you like you know everyone talks about this thing mental toughness at the end of games make the play you know when you mental toughness you know when you make the play two weeks before when you're practicing that play correctly in practice you have to do it right you have to have the details down because if you don't during the game they'll come around i could i could be completely wrong on this and they could have coached four yards and come out quick it'd be the first time i saw a boot coach like that to be honest (laughs) with you and you're not allowing yourself the opportunity to get leverage on that defender. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the defender you know made that. a really nice play. But, yes, mm-hmm. and that, that's where, you know, a guy like Tom Brady, the, the prime example of a guy who's just at his best late in games. But Tom Brady, mm-hmm. I, n- I never saw him as a guy who necessarily got better late in games, but he certainly continued mm-hmm. to be excellent late in games. In the that, execution that be, and doing exactly yeah, what needed and, to be done in that, that moment. That be hard to do when you know the game is on the line and some players – do that at a higher level. Since we're talking, we're talking QB Olin and a point I made earlier in the week. I'm curious for your thoughts on because if you know the, the momentum seems to be you know moving where where the Bears would decide to at least bring another quarterback in, if not move on from Justin Fields. But regardless of that, my my concern with the franchise and you were obviously you, you did it offensively here for a long time. One of the great players on that side of the ball 
in Bears history, the development of the quarterback position is is where I, I still I wonder whether or not the Bears are, are putting something in place to to make sure that they're developing offensive skill players in general, but especially quarterback. Because whether it is Justin Fields or Mitchell Trubisky or you know Jay Cutler or other first round picks, we just haven't seen the Chicago Bears have infrastructure in place where the results of quarterbacks once they get here really get better and consistently turn in to excellence at that position. A lot of other franchises around the league, they cycle through QBs and find a way to keep winning. What would you mm-hmm. say in putting into words, what, what is the separation there between where the Bears haven't been able to, maybe you get a blip a season or two here or there, but some teams just continue to win at a high level regardless of QB and the Bears don't. Yeah, you know, Rex Roseman, K. McNown, right? Uh, 1999 and just on and on and on about developing quarterbacks yeah. and what it takes. And the Bears should study their history, right? Go back and look at how you build teams. Go back and look at the infrastructure you put around a quarterback, what you saw on film, what you did from when he got it. Because let's be honest, guys, playing quarterback in Chicago is hard. And I always tell people this story. I was here for 13 years. You walk on a football field, there's Brad Biggs, there's Dan Pompey, there's uh, Moon Mullen, there's all these Hall of Famers. There's maybe uh, we're leading the league in media at camp, right? We got 30 <laughs> or 40 people there. The fans are all there. It's a great place to play because of the interest, because of how much people talk about you turn ESPN on. They're going to be talking about the Chicago quarterback. Why? Because if you tweet about him, uh, you'll get retweets and likes and responses. And people are, all, people are always wondering about the Chicago quarterback. I went to New Orleans, guys. I walked on the field at 8 o'clock in the morning because it was 100 degrees. And they were selling margaritas on the fence. It was a totally new world. And there was one media guy there, and I didn't know who it was. Right? I had no idea. So the, so the, the spotlight on the Chicago Bears quarterback and understanding that and having the infrastructure around him, not only to develop him as a quarterback, but to de- get him ready for the media, the questions that are going to be asked, uh, put him in a position to succeed and get him moving forward because they've tried to put quarterback coaches around him. Right? Nagy, Heffert, mm-hmm. right? They got all these guys here. Uh, uh, DeFilippo, right? That, that was, to me, Big Ant, a good plan, right? They had all these quarterback coaches for Mitch Trubisky, and even that failed you got to take a good look at why why it's been so hard here to succeed as a quarterback. Uh, I like to tell people, people always ask about the offensive line, right? They always ask about the offense. I say, look at the draft picks. Look at who was successful and who wasn't and how long it's been since you actually drafted an offensive lineman in the first round who succeeded. I think you got to go back to Jimbo Covert, Covert and Keith Van Horn. And guess what they did that time? They won the Super Bowl, right? <laughs> So, so you, you go back, now you finally got a high draft pick. Darnell Wright looks like he could be the guy. Looks like he could develop into a good football player. So if you're the Chicago Bears, do me a favor. If I have the time, all my free time, to go back and study your history and look at the way you built the team, right? Okay, oh, Olin, man, look at that defense. That defense is doing great. You're damn right they are. They gave $100 million <laughs> for a defensive end and $70 million for a middle linebacker, and they got three second-round picks in the secondary. And they, and they hit on Andrew Billings. Of course, they're doing good. Give me a $100 million left tackle. Uh, give me a, a $70 million wide receiver opposite DJ Moore. And, and give me a TJ Edwards playing running back. And let's see what we're doing on offense. 
Yeah, you might have a chance. Might have a chance if you do that. Before we let you run, also, you know, it's the holiday season here. Is there anything, Mm -hmm. any splurge in in your years of buying gifts around this time of the season that stands out that you know what? You, the wife, anytime you guys are hanging out, you kind of puff your chest like, hey, remember that time I set you (laughs) off with this or that? (laughs) We have six kids. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) we're saving every penny we can save for those six kids. I definitely feel you. I respect it. I respect it. (laughs) All right. All right. Oh, we'll we'll be hearing you on on Sunday morning and Sunday post game as well, man. Cannot wait to listen. I always do great stuff. Great content that you provide, man. Happy holidays to you. Appreciate it guys, man. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. That is the great Olin Krutz on Twitter and X and and whatever else on social media at Olin underscore Krutz. One the the last thing he said, we was talking about the quarterback position. I just Mm. want to point out, like if you could be that quarterback, that came to this city and put it on for these fans after right. waiting however many decades right. you want to say they waited for an an all pro caliber quarterback. Uh-huh. Do you understand? Oh man, you were, I mean beyond yeah, statues. statues. Yeah, right, yeah, right. Like, the statues would be like the the basement. That was the bare minimum. Yeah. They would build. Like that's I don't know how starved. That's statues. how starved they are yes, for yes. that specific position in this city. And you know what? Because you you spent so much time professionally. In Philly, and to me, the Eagles are one of the franchises that we've seen them go through quarterback after quarterback over the last few decades. And it works, and they're always in the mix. I would love to get your your thoughts on that. Just you know, we the Eagles are one example of several teams around the league that, that don't seem to have this problem. Right, they just continue <laughs> to win regardless of who the QB has been. I made this point earlier in the week. I was shocked at the amount of pushback I got on social media about it. What people think? Oh, just draft the guy and, and that's it. Like, that's not what most teams do who sustain success. We'll talk through that and a bunch more in, a, in just a little while at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. We'll have Dan Weeder. We'll certainly get into some Bulls conversation as well. And I'm also curious, sir, maybe not the next segment, but if there is a, a Christmas splurge on your resume that you, that you are fairly proud of in years past <sighs> that you might regale us with later on in the proud show. Proud of or embarrassed of? Which one, like, uh, yeah. we, we go either direction with it. <laughs> just, 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 just a good tale of a we Christmas purchase. Yes, let's make sure we do that. We'll open up the phone lines later on to see if anybody else has something to add to that portion of the conversation. It is Anthony Heron and Marshall Harris. We are in for Danny and Matt on the Parkinson's Spiegel Show on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The School. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Afternoons on the score. No Spiegel, no Parkins. What's going on here? Valid question. I'm not completely sure what's going on. I know I'm enjoying it. I'm here. Yeah. I'm here for it, literally. Making it happen. Anthony Heron and Marshall Harris here in for Daddy and Matt, the Parkinson Spiegel Show. And uh, we were talking a a little bit earlier, and I I should let you know, you're listening to a Four Seasons 
heating, air conditioning, plumbing, and electric. Football Friday presented by your local Ford dealers and it's not a game, Illinois.com. And we were talking a little bit in the last segment um, to Olin Crutes, of course, but then the way the way I'm viewing the Bears currently is that they are still in the infancy of what Ryan Poles is trying to build this franchise towards the whole take the North and never give it back deal. You know, that, that doesn't happen. <laughs> they in did one finally year. get an NFC North win, a couple of them. Yeah, yeah. They finally got some back to back. So that's progress. Yes. You know, pro- progress should not be ignored while at the same time, there have been so many frustrating defeats. And we are in the midst of evaluating yet another Bears quarterback that 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 we're, we're seeing at least where there's some kind of plateau here in Chicago that Justin Fields has maybe butted his head up against. And then you have this ticking clock of the number one overall pick that looms. And we'll talk to Dan Weeder about this in a few minutes as well, because obviously he closed, he, he covers it so closely on a daily basis. And he's, you know, as, as informed as anyone with his opinions on the Bears and on Justin Fields. My, my observation I made, my critique of the Bears that I made earlier in the week in transition in one of the shows I did earlier in the week, I think I was getting ready to do the afternoon show or something. But we were in transition, and my point was that whether the Bears move on from Justin Fields or not, what the Bears need to evaluate is their process for developing quarterbacks because teams like the Philadelphia Eagles and the San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys and the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens, we've seen decades of, yes, there's some ebb and flow in there over the last, let's call it 30 years or something like that, but there are teams that consistently the Baltimore Ravens find themselves in the mix most years over the last few decades, regardless of which quarterbacks they have cycled through. And aside from the Steelers, you know, Steelers have had two coaches in that time. Patriots have mainly had Bill Belichick. So, yeah, most of that was Belichick-Brady with their success. So I remove New England. I remove Green Bay from this example, even though both franchises have been consistently successful. But you can tie that with a coach or two, a quarterback or two in those examples. These other teams I'm talking about over the last 30 years, they've had a variety of coaches and QBs, and they continue to get it done. To me, it's oversimplified to look at it and say, the Bears just got to get the right quarterback, and then they're good. Like, it usually doesn't come down to that at this level. You saw it playing out in Philly, man. Like, what what are your observations of what the Bears deal with in, in that sort of framework versus how Philly continues to get it done? It's crazy because when I got here, Justin Fields had just been drafted, and I'm like, okay, let's see where where this goes. And obviously, they did the whole Andy Dalton, Nick Foles, and I'd seen Nick Foles win a Super Bowl, so mm-hmm. I knew like what Nick Foles had been capable of, but mainly a, just a really reliable backup quarterback. Yeah. And my time in Philadelphia, you brought it up, and I was like, well, Donovan McNabb was a thing. Mm-hmm. Right. But to your point, I played against Donovan McNabb, man. Like he he was in the MVP conversation frequently throughout his career, all the time. Yeah. They they would go to the NFC Championship games like it was nothing. Uh huh. They wouldn't win those NFC Championship games like usually, it was nothing. right? But they 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 would go there. They would mm-hmm. get there to get to a conference title game is a big deal to be in the Final Four of a thirty-two team league. But after Donovan McNabb was traded, let's be clear, he didn't just leave. He was traded within the division. I was the one who did the interview with Andy Reid. Oh, really? The night wow. he was traded. Easter night. Like, so I, I, I've seen this all firsthand. And you're like, what are they going to do after Donovan McDab? Well, they had Michael Vick. Mike Vick, right. They were the ones who yep. went out and said, we're going to get Mike yep. Vick and Mike excite Vick reclamation him. reclamation project. Uh-huh. And, and he was reclamating. Oh, he had man. some exciting moments yes. for the, the Eagles. After that, it was Nick Foles. Mm-hmm. 
an ugly area when they had Sam Bradford. Gave him yeah. a lot of money. Sam Bradford got over on everybody a couple of times. <laughs> over and over again. With, with some, yeah. big, with, with some uh-huh. big money. But after that, they made the trade to get Carson Wentz. He won an MVP. Yep. Nick Foles. Well, almost did, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Nick, Nick Foles was the guy who actually got them where they wanted to be, which is winning a Super Bowl. Yep. And then after that, Carson Wentz had, eh. But, like, they still competed. Yes. Like, they Every weren't as bad as what mix. we've seen the last two. Now, to be clear, it's a complete rebuild. So, mm-hmm. it's hard to measure that up. I think it really comes down to ownership approaching it like a business and not like a small business. Mm. Like when you go get a quarterback, he's not the CEO because obviously that's your head coach, your general manager team, however you want to put that together, who's got more power or whatever. Um, Andy Reid uh, was the case with the Eagles. And, of course, you saw what he did when he went to Kansas City, mm-hmm. made it work with Alex until Patrick was ready. It's, it's wild, right? Mm-hmm. I think you have to have the right people hiring and, as you said, developing and being able to build offenses that work for young quarterbacks. Yeah. I think that's the bottom line. Because last time I checked, D'Amico Ryans is not an offensive coach. Right. Yeah. C.J. Stroud was his quarterback, right? Don't look half bad. Uh-huh. Half bad? <laughs> in, 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 a, in a very watered down, your backup quarterback is more important than you think kind of year in the NFL. C.J. Stroud came in and – Made everybody jealous. Right. Yeah, just been lighting it up for the Texans. And, yeah, he's had a couple of rookie performances here or there. But for a rookie quarterback, he's had a record-setting season. And it's certainly not ideal circumstances there. Uh, C.J. Stroud, Joe Burrow, to some extent Justin Herbert as well. You, you certainly – there are rookies who can come in and, and outperform circumstance. But, but, but I think the common thread with the teams that you're talking about, number one, the coaching staff is good. Mm. proven, mm. and defense is a thing. Yeah. So if you have a quarterback that's struggling a little bit, and defense, like if the defense has been playing like it's been playing all year for this team, I'm very confident they'd be at least 6-8. and eight. Mm. And if you're 6-8, and eight, you're in the discussion. Or even think back to like Dak Prescott. When, when Tony Romo gets banged up towards the end of his career, Dak Prescott ends up surprisingly taking over for Tony Romo as he's injured in Dak's rookie season. But there's not only a good defense that year, but then an exceptional run game and the best offensive line in football. And then Dak Prescott you know, plays really well in that circumstance, but is also not tasked with, with doing everything. the offense. Now that he's developed to that point in his career, now they can say, Dak, if you got to throw it 45 times, we're good, man. Go do you. As long as it's at home. <laughs> right. There's a little bit of a difference in the home road splits. Yes. With Dak, yes. But, you know, to allow him to progress to this stage of his career. Well, yes, Dak, talking postseason. He has certainly come up short in the playoffs at times, but the Dallas Cowboys, through several quarterbacks, several coaching staffs, Jerry Jones always has the Cowboys in the mix. Maybe there's a you know a down end. year, yes, but but they always come back and they're they're at least hanging around 500 at, at mm. worst. And I, I think I'm not saying the McCaskies aren't trying. That's not that's right. not what I'm saying. Right. I'm just saying their process isn't working in how they're picking, whether it's the GM. Jury's still very much out on Ryan Poles. Mm-hmm. I like a lot of the things that he's done. Mm-hmm. But I go back to Luke Getze, and I know, listen, I'm, I'm not trying to be a bully here. I'm just stating the facts. They started out doing things with Justin Fields last year that were not working. Mm-hmm. They adjusted a little bit. He started playing better. Maybe still not where they wanted him to be, obviously, as a passing drop-back quarterback. But they're like, we're going to play to your strengths. And then to start this season the exact same way that they started last season, yeah. Make it make sense, Ant. You're the I, former player here, not, not me. 
Make it makes it justify what they did at the start of this year when they were 0-4. No. Because <laughs> you can't, right? No, there's no justification and, for and, it. And here's the problem with that. That builds such a level of distrust, mistrust, impatience with not only the players in that locker room, but also with your fan base mm-hmm. that they're resigned to thinking it doesn't matter what we do, who we have at quarterback, we're going to screw it up anyway. Yeah, and then these, these morsels of improvement, I'll call it, then they go underappreciated because just like we were talking about with the Bulls, if the season were kind of flipped on its head a little bit, if, they, if this last whatever eight, nine-game stretch, if they began this way and now hit the skids a little bit, then it would there would be more positivity around it, even if the record was similar or the same. But, you know, that's living in the multiverse somewhere. But starting that way just got everything in production, in perception, off to such a rocky start, man. So they've just been swimming upstream with all these self-inflicted wounds that they've incurred since then with the coaching staff and everything else. And it's just I, I have – I. I live in the in the gray area. I, I try to pride myself One of on the finding few, by the context. Way. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Nuance is lost. It's right, dead. right. And I try to pride, pride myself on finding context and decisions that are made. I have no explanation for why the Bears offense began the first month of the season in the way that it did schematically, strategically. I know why. Because the, the offensive coordinator is hard-headed, stubborn. <laughs> like, that. that's the only explanation. Uh-huh. That And and and. I'm not much like you would do. I'm not saying Justin Fields isn't also at fault right. for not developing as they thought that this guy that they traded up to get would do. But Getsy's sitting there looking at him every day. Yeah. Getsy's meeting with him every day. He should know. He should recognize this isn't working. So right. let's do yeah. something different. And and that has not been the case. Uh-huh. And like it goes but back. I do, to- I do feel like they have they have gotten more near that direction. It, but see, it, it, it more, has come along. More near is not converging on a single point. Right. It's just more yeah, near. Yeah. And when you're miles apart to start, you can be more near and still be thousands of feet apart. Yeah. I, and, I think all three have gotten better at their jobs. It, it has not been at the rate. The and, head coach, and, offensive coordinator, quarterback, none of them have progressed at the rate that, that many of us would This might for. sound controversial, but I, I don't care. Ooh. The standard has to be higher. And I think we are all living in Chicago used to a, a not good standard. And because the bar is so low right now, so low, we accept things that in other places in this country they would not accept. And I think right now the bar is just what it's way too low for the Bears and what's good enough. So when you say they're nearer, I, I, I don't care. I, I don't care. It's not good enough. It's lost on you. You got no interest in yeah. anything being near. Horseshoes and hand grenades, Yes, says Marshall Harris. We'll take a time out, come back. We were talking a little bit about Christmas, a little bit early. Sound like maybe you had a story worth Oh, no. I, we'll, 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 we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. All right, Ryan Porth. Bye-bye, sir. Uh, let's take a time out, come back. We're a few minutes away from Dan Weederer, but I, myself, do have a story of a, of a holiday triumph that I would love to share. Ooh, I'll like do that, triumphs. and we'll talk to Dan Weederer in a few minutes. It is Anthony Heron and Marshall Harris in for Parkins and Spiegel on the Parkins and Spiegel Show on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. The Parkins and Spiegel Show. Doing it and doing it and doing it. Afternoons on The Score. That's right. Christmas in Hollis. Now, we were communicating a little bit, Marshall Harris. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. and myself, Anthony here. We were communicating a little bit about Christmas tunes, so I'm glad that uh, Alex Kuhn, Tyler Butabar there, Keeping us honest with the with the Christmas jams. Um, so 
when we texted about this a little bit, I presumed when you said that you might have a couple of submissions from a Christmas music perspective, <laughs> my assumption was that Donny Hathaway's This Christmas was one of the couple of options you were considering. You didn't necessarily respond specifically about that. You you submitted other tunes. I'm I'm, I'm all aboard with Donny Hathaway. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I wasn't sure yes. how to interpret that. If you were anti-Donny we'll Hathaway very, or something. No! Who's, okay. All right. Come on now. Come hey, on now. man. You know, come I, on now. I, I don't want to assume anything. I don't uh, want to just put that on you if it's not what you're about. No, I just... I, 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 I truly enjoy DMX's uh, rendition of Rudolph the Random. Every, every year I listen to it, RIP DMX. RIP like, the great DMX. But, like, it's just, if you see the video, he's got so much cheer with it, and he brings, like, that DMX DMX to it. Uh-huh. Exactly. It gets no better. So like, gets no better. I, I just love that. And then that silent night, the way it hits, <laughs> I'm just like, oh, okay. Yeah. The temptations, man. You can't, uh-huh. you can't mess. Right. The, cl- the classics. So what got me the other night was, so my, my son and my wife, they left uh, yesterday morning. So then what's today? Friday. So Wednesday night before, like my son is six and we'll, we'll usually read him a story or whatever before we put him to bed that night. And usually we'll let him choose the the stories and the other night because you know they're going to be gone and I don't know for sure I'm leaving Sunday after I finish my Bears duties I'll leave and fly out to Boston and my wife's from the east coast so we'll be out there with my in-laws so I'm going to go meet up with them and I got to fly into Boston and drive a couple hours to the town wow. where my in-laws are at it was a full like planes trains and automobile situation that I'm going to have going on on Sunday so I probably won't get to my in-laws house in time before our son ends up going to bed I'm like, all right, let me get like my my tender pre-Christmas moment in Wednesday. So, all right, let me let me go ahead and read the night before Christmas, and let me go ahead and and put on the Temptations Silent Night. Yes. So I did both of those things. The one issue with the whole scenario was my son is too much like me. So as I I crack the book open and I begin to I get to the first page of the book, and I'm getting ready to read the first line, and the the title of the book is just this particular version was just the night before Christmas. My son, and it was late, you know, they're flying out the next morning. We've been up packing, so it was way past bedtime. So I'm really just trying to get this in real quick. I've turned the book over. I get ready to read it, and he stops me. stops me dead in my tracks. So I'm trying to hurry up and get this done just so I can have my moment with him before putting him in the bed. He basically does the, like, puts his finger on my lips. Like, like, wait, 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 hold up. Daddy, that's supposed to say, twas the night before Christmas. And so he's taking issue with the book. He's basically thinking either I'm reading him some bootleg version of The Night Before Christmas. Was it a bootleg or, version? Ah, uh, it's a valid question. <laughs> it was like the Elmo version of it. I got you. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. But we went ahead. He allowed me to read the book. And then I scooped him up, turned on The Temptations, Silent Night, and then just kind of slowly rocked back and forth before I went and put him in the bed. So that I had is my, a tender moment. My tender pre-Christmas moment. With what's often one of my favorite Christmas songs this time of year. I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> You're giving me things to aspire to. Okay. As a non-father and yeah. a non-married person. I'm, I'm, we slow rolling that, but I, I appreciate that. My number one on my Christmas song list 
varies a bit from year to year. It has frequently been Donny Hathaway's This Christmas. It has sometimes been the Temptations version of Silent Night. This year, it is, I, I'm in a bit of a, a Nat King Cole Christmas song uh, uh, kind of vibe okay. this year. So that might have the top spot for me. I'd never considered DMX's Rudolph before this moment, It's just a, It's a different energy to it. That's, yeah. that's all. That's yeah. what I'm saying. It's a change of pace. That's Ch- fair. Everybody likes to change of pace back, right? Yeah, right, right, it's, right. It's the Darren Sproles of my, Bears of my, use of my of backfield. Uh-huh, right. They got, they, got, they got backs. I don't know if they're going to have Deontay Foreman this weekend, but they got backs. We shall see. Let's see if Dan Weeder knows. He can educate us on all these things and more. We will talk to him next about the Chicago Bears, Harris and Heron, in for Parkinson Spiegel on Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 